Welcome to Sidewalk Talk. I am Maria Batt, Director of Client Relations and Design for Shovel the Sidewalk. We're a marketing firm in Buffalo, New York, specializing in building brands for small businesses and then pushing their message out through authentic storytelling. And there's no better time for storytelling than when we're all stuck inside. So today I have Ed Dranch from Channel 7. Welcome, Ed. Thanks for taking time out of your day. Hi, Maria. Thanks for having us. So I didn't I go back a little bit. Um, I got to see Ed grow into a, what was it, Samba? <laughs> yeah. Samba expert for a ballroom dancing event when I was in my nonprofit life, and he won. Yeah, I was like Dancing with the Stars champ. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah I remember one of your um, rehearsals, you ripped your pants. And you could hear the split in my <laughs> pants. It was, it was audible. It was ridiculous. <laughs> you still dancing? No. no, no, I got rid of my dancing shoes, but uh, trade yeah. them for uh, breaking news blues, I guess. Breaking news blues. So how is this changing your job right now? Gosh, this is insane. Um, I think both in the way it's unfolding and the way we're having to strategize to cover it, frankly. Um, you know, I'll start with my first point. The way this is unfolding, I mean, we've been covering Governor Cuomo holding press conferences now for more than a week. And... He took a much different tone today than he did in days past. And I thought that was surprising. Uh, he was much more firm in what he had to say, much more pointed in his, um, he wasn't really attacking the federal government, but his calls for federal government help. Um, and he was critical of the president and his efforts with FEMA. New York State, he says, will need 30,000 ventilators. And FEMA was offering 400. And, you know, on one hand, he's grateful for the help from the federal government. On the other hand, he's calling on the federal government to step up and send more help and, you know, use a wartime powers act, essentially, to help produce more product to bring us to a conclusion here where few people die. Uh, and he says, we need ventilators. We need ventilators. We need ventilators. And we're about 14 or 21 days away from the climax of all of this crashing on the healthcare system. So that's his really big focus at this point, and that's his big concern. Uh, and it was a much more urgent and pointed tone today than it has been in days past. You know, when I talked about the insanity of covering this now, okay, so I come in at three o'clock in the morning every single day uh, when Katie's not here. She normally comes in at three o'clock, but we're switching back and forth um, because of social distancing rules. So mm -hmm. she's off today, I'm here at work. And, you know, we'll flip-flop days. Uh, but I, I think this is the longest I've sat at my desk since four o'clock this morning, and it's one o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, Governor Cuomo talks, he talks for an hour. We have to intro it, we're recapping it. I anchored the news at noon today. Um, we're constantly recording new updates. Um, I was on AM Buffalo this morning, and I'm in editorial meetings. Um, you know, there are so many things happening. You know, I'm talking to people via FaceTime and Zoom, trying to develop new stories and then turning that for tomorrow. So there's just a constant wheel that needs to turn. And it's, it's a story that needs to be told, but it's you know making sure that we're telling it with context and making sure that we're not necessarily creating fear or panic and doing it in a con clear, concise and cohesive manner. There's so much misinformation out there. And people are getting their news, unfortunately, from Facebook and from Twitter, which is so reliable, of course, you know. So now, I mean, journalism is always important, right? It's, we have to have it. We have to keep people honest. We have to know what's going on. But now more than ever, how, um, how should people sift through? Where do you get 
your news from? When you're looking for a reliable source, where do you go? Yeah, we're turning to facts. I mean, this is the bottom line. We're taking numbers from Erie County. We're taking numbers from Niagara County. We're taking numbers from Governor Cuomo. And each of these agencies, you know, the Erie County Department of Health, Niagara, Chautauqua, Cataraugus, you know, all these county health departments are putting out numbers based on the amount of people that they've tested. So, you know, we're aggregating all of this data and making sure that it's put out to our viewers. You know, and I've seen things on Facebook that are just bizarre to me. Like people are coming to me and, and I'm grateful that they're coming to me asking questions because it's our job to almost dispel those myths and, you know, allay fears and put rumors to bed based on what we have uh, in, in, in fact. Uh, so, you know, there's a text message going around that is, you know, alarming in its tone because it says, you know, oh my gosh, the coronavirus is spreading on gas pumps. Tell everyone you know, use a, use a paper towel and gloves to pump gas. Well, like, that's a no-brainer, right? I mean, like, I always pump gas and use sanitizer after that. But, like, what are you doing, you know? Right. So there are things like that. Like, the, exactly. Like, that, I mean, people just need to really kind of contextualize what's going on here and say, you know, okay, this is something that's scary for sure. We're going to get through it. But it's a matter of not, you know, transmitting that panic and that fear in, in the way we communicate with people. And I think that's really the underlying message here. Yeah, it's been the reaction more. You know, I, I, right. I understand everything that the CDC and Cuomo's putting out there and why we're staying home and the social distancing, I get it. I think it's that um, public panic and and this is a hoax, it's not a hoax. And when we're all, they're, they're, they're lying to us and that's what's creating the panic. Right. And, you know, we've heard from our elected leaders and, you know, public health leaders that we should not be panic buying. You know, people, the news, the media never said, go buy toilet paper. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the news media never said, go buy all the hand sanitizer and hoard it. You know, that's not our job. We are telling you that you need to use these things like hand sanitizer and antibacterial soap, telling you that you need to wash your hands for 20 seconds, but we're not telling you to go panic buy. And, you know, we need to make sure that there are goods out there for the people who do need them. There's a vulnerable population, um, people with underlying health conditions, the elderly. I mean, these people are going to, you know, hopefully not get sick, but the reality is, is that a lot of them will get sick uh, if we don't adhere to these rules and these social norms that are in place right now to stop the spread of the virus. Yeah, a 32-year-old Iron Man competitor does not need to be wearing a face mask when he's going to Wegmans to get his stuff. Right. And you know what? I saw a guy in Wegmans the other day uh, when I was shopping wearing one of those, you know, face masks that are so highly coveted. And he was wearing it improperly. He wasn't wearing it over his nose, just only wearing it over his mouth. And it, it took every ounce of self-control for me to not say something to him because mm -hmm. our doctors and our nurses are in such dire need. And these are the people on the front lines of, of fighting this. Not to mention that person probably went home, took his hand, took the mask off, put it down in his kitchen, and then is going to wear it again. So, I mean, it's, right. it's really kind of counterproductive what, what's going on with, with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're hearing that, you know, there's just, there isn't enough supply, period. So somebody is buying and, you know, standing in the way potentially of a system that is broken really in in that we can't get this to the people who actually need them you said before we started um the podcast that you're going to be broadcasting from home tomorrow mm -hmm. 
Yeah, That's isn't fun. that crazy? I'm excited about it. I'm really looking forward to it because, um, you know, it's kind of like a different adventure for me mm -hmm. personally as a journalist. Um, you know, at the same time, there are technical obstacles that we have to jump over to make sure that, you know, everything goes off without a hitch. And, um, you know, I'm still waking up at the same time. I'm still going over scripts and still making sure that all the information is accurate and, um, you know, portrayed in a way that's easy to understand. But I'm doing it from my kitchen instead of doing it from the comfort of a climate controlled studio under the bright lights. Right. Do you have anything fun? Ready? Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm, I interviewed a woman today who is super cool. She's going, uh, she's a photographer. And she's going around to all these different places and kind of showcasing what life is like in quarantine or, you know, in close quarters. And it's kind of, it was interesting to me because it is kind of like a social narrative. You know, people, the way these pictures are shot, they're taken through windows or through glass front doors or people standing on their porches and the photographers like six feet away. So it's not as intimate as it might be, you know, when, you know, as a photographer, you're standing up close with your subject, but it kind of, you know, spoke to me in a way that, you know, five years from now, we'll look back on this and say, wow, can you believe we got through this? And can you believe we did it together and how we've persevered? And that I think is the coolest part. You have um, a different perspective because you grew up in Long Island, right? And mm -hmm. then you worked, where were you, in Virginia? Almost? Yeah, I worked in New York City for a year and then moved to get my first on-air job in Virginia. Uh, and I've been in Buffalo now almost 10 years. So you've seen a couple of different communities. And I'm, my dad was a professional firefighter. My husband is now, so I'm never leaving. I'm stuck here for at least another know, 15 <laughs> yeah. years. But um, we're the city of good neighbor, right? And I, I do think that this is bringing... Um, the best out in a lot of us. There's people outside walking their dogs and we're smiling at each other and making eye contact unlike we have before. How do you think the Buffalo community is at maybe a better advantage to deal with this with our um, kind of brotherhood that we have here? You, you know, we're slowing down and I think we're connecting with people more than we ordinarily would. You know, we say we're the city of good neighbors, but it's what we do that really makes it the city of good neighbors. Um, you know, it's stepping up and helping your small businesses. It's hiring somebody who may have been laid off. It's these businesses that are giving their workers $2 an hour wage hikes because they're dealing with these uncertain terms. Uh, you know, and I heard a story recently about, you know, a family uh, who just is so down. They have no money and they just needed food. And it broke my heart to think that this family could go without um, but that people are stepping up to help them. And that's really the embodiment, uh, the personification of the city of good neighbors. What's your advice to these people that are shut in and they're in quarantine and what can help brighten their day a little bit? What do you do when you're stuck in? You know what, it's about finding maybe a silver lining. Um, we're going to get through this. Like this, this is just temporary. Everything is just temporary right now. And, you know, there are people waiting on the other end for you at work, at school, uh, in the community, at a, at a gym that you go to. I mean, like, there's a community out there that everyone is longing to be a part of. So it's not just you. Um, I think the idea here is that if you do need help, seek it. Um, you're not alone. And it's okay to feel like that. Um, but things will get better and we'll get through this and we're going to do it together. It wasn't too long ago that Buffalo looked very different. 
there weren't as many restaurants open, there was no canal side, and now we're in the throes of this beautiful renaissance. How do you think this is going to affect that? What are we going to look like when we come out on the other side? You know, that's a really good question. And um, I think in certain cases, it's frightening because you know, when you have so many of these small businesses popping up everywhere, new restaurants, new clothing shops, um, even small bars, you know, it's kind of like they're taking a chance on the community, but when something like this happens, it could shutter their businesses for good. Um, You know, I'm friends with a gym owner who is thinking out of the box now, doing Instagram classes and making sure that, um, you know, people are able to still take their classes but doing it in a different venue. Everyone's home, so why not do that from home? Uh, I'm friends with a restaurant owner who had to lay off all of his staff and isn't sure when or if they'll reopen. Uh, I'm also friends with the owner of a winery that's having to think outside the box now, and they also had to lay off a lot of their staff, but they're still producing, they're focusing on wholesale accounts, and they're selling by the bottle hoping that that's really what pulls them through. And, you know, I think when you're a business owner and you can think outside the box and you can really um, be innovative in times like this, you're able to kind of pull through to the other side. And, you know, hopefully a lot of these small businesses will. I spoke with Chef Mike Andrew Jeske yesterday. Yeah. And he was talking about his best and um, how he has these margarita kits now. And, like, his vision right now is for people instead of, you know, ringing somebody's doorbell and just like running away, ringing your neighbor's doorbell and leaving like a margarita kit and then just like hightailing it out of there just to give them something to smile about. What's something unique that you have seen that people, whether it's a business or a neighbor or somebody like that has done to kind of add a little bit of light to the situation? Um, You know, I've seen people go around playing instruments. Uh, I just, today, um, you know, we're getting a lot of viewers sending in a lot of, you know, pictures and video to us kind of showcasing what's happening around the, you know, the best. And these two girls from Alden Central Schools uh, were, went to their grandparents' house to play music for them. Uh, and these are musical instruments that you know, they're learning about and trying to play uh, with their orchestra in school. So they're not only are they practicing, but they're also kind of performing for their grandparents and putting a smile on their faces. Um, you know, I'm seeing you know, moms and dads think of new ways to kind of help their kids learn and you know, pull through and kind of help them understand. And I think that's probably the most unique thing that I've seen is, you know, parents becoming a different kind of teacher uh, and a role that they might not have been ready for, but are kind of thrown into and how they're handling these situations. What do you think we could be doing better? Huh. It's a tough question. You know, I, I know, I, I don't know. And, you know, the one thing that I can think of is, you know, these small businesses, what do they do? Uh, You know, the Small Business Administration has low interest loans that are available to businesses going through tough times. And, you know, the federal government is talking about a $2 trillion stimulus package. And, you know, the president's mentioned sending out checks of $1,000 to people who need them. But you know, I think about the landlords and people who are renting and how do they put food on the table, pay their rent, and then how does the landlord move forward? I mean, there are, I think, a lot of what ifs, and I don't know that all of these what ifs have answers right now. And I think that's kind of 
the most concerning for people is the fear of the unknown. And I don't know that I have an answer for that. So before we end, I wanted to do something kind of fun and do some like rapid fire questions yeah, to you. It. Yeah, I love Vogue and Vogue has this, um, these like spots where they'll go into somebody's house and you have like, I don't know, 50 questions or something like that. And they just never stop asking them. So this will be, I'm so Vogue. So this will obviously be a <laughs> thing. <laughs> so um, do you and Katie plan your outfits every day? Because you every guys day. tend to match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She texts me at uh, three o'clock in the morning on her way to work and says, blue, gold, or I'm wearing tan and black or red and black. You know, I know Katie's wardrobe better than I know my own at this point. <laughs> <laughs> What's one person that you would love to interview, dead, alive, unattainable, doesn't matter? Lady Gaga, 100% hands right. down. Yeah. Who, um, who would you lose your composure over and not be professional if you got to interview them or even meet them? Oh, um, gosh. I don't I lose my composure. I definitely got a little giddy around Nick Walenda just because I thought he was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know that I've ever lost my composure around somebody. I get nervous asking questions of like really powerful people, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I have to think about that one. Okay. Um, what's your favorite place to travel? Uh, I was just in Europe. Italy, Venice was my favorite. Oh, thank God you got there right now. I know. Can you imagine? We got there just in the nick of time, too. It was the floods. Now the coronavirus just crazy. Unfortunately, the last part of my interview with Ed didn't quite um, download properly, probably because there are thousands of people using Zoom that never have used it before, and perhaps the bandwidth just couldn't support one extra meeting or one extra interview. But I want to thank him so much for taking the time to come on Sidewalk Talk and share what's going on journalistically through, throughout all of this uh, coronavirus craziness. If you have a story that's just as interesting as Ed's, or if you have somebody that you think would be great on our podcast, we'd love it if you could reach out to us. Hop on our website, shovelthesidewalk.com, and visit the Sidewalk Talk podcast page, and we have a form right on there. Um, fill it out. We'll get back to you. There's also the rest of our podcasts that you can listen to. You can also stream them from uh, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, Spotify or Pandora, whatever that is. So thank you again so much to Ed um, and Channel 7 for sparing him for a little bit for us so we could have a chat. And this has been Sidewalk Talk.